Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. I'm doing a series, if you don't know, on uh, classic sermons. <clears throat> now, to be honest with you, my intention was to do... Uh, a broad range of preachers from from 200 years, but but it seems as though a lot of them lately have been, um, you know, just within the last hundred years. These are the ones I feel led to give you. So this this is where we are. But today's message is was originally preached by E. V. Hill. Y'all familiar with him? E. V. Hill was born in 1933. He died in 2003 at a relatively young age. He was 69. Died of pneumonia. Evie Hill was a very poor, he grew up in very poor uh, conditions, um, but he became educated, he went to college, and then he became a pastor. He served in Texas for a couple years. In 1963, he went to the Greater Missionary Baptist Church of Los Angeles, and uh, he was there until his death, so 40 years of ministry in that church. Evie Hill has preached to thousands. He was a regular appearance, a regular uh, person for Promise Keepers. And what, what I tell you all those things because it is amazing and it should never surprise us what God can choose to do with anyone He wants. You ask His neighbors in front... Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would kiss you, but my wife is right here. Oh, that's so good. Oh, you want some? That's good. So, see, if I were like Jesus, I wouldn't need that. You'll see that in a minute. So, um... You know, don't ever be surprised and don't ever shortchange what God wants to and can do with, with a person who's just sold out to Him. All it takes is somebody who goes, okay, yes, Lord. That's it. So you've got to stop giving them your excuses and you've got to stop telling them where you were and what you've done and what you don't have. Just stop. Just stop. Say, God, here I am. And then be satisfied if He chooses to use you in obscurity or if He chooses to put you on the stage. It is oftentimes that the ones who want to be on the stage never get there, and the ones who don't want to be there, God places there. You want to know why? Because God doesn't share His glory. He doesn't need to. So, that's Evie Hill. He preached this multiple times. Uh, the message that I'm going to post on our Facebook page was he preached in Detroit, Michigan, Somewhere, I believe, in the 90s or the late... Uh, yeah, it would have been the 90s because he died in 2003. So anyways, turn, about, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Now, again, this orig- the original message is just a little over an hour long. So I'm going to cut some things and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak a little slower or a little faster than him. He's, he's, a brilliant, he's a brilliant preacher. You really ought to go and listen to the original I've listened to it a dozen times maybe, and just every time it's like, wow, that's good. So it'll be on our Facebook page uh, here this afternoon. So Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God... Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. 
If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered unto him, For it is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. The title of today's message is this, What to Say to the Devil When He Talks to You. How many of y'all know that the devil talks to you? Now, if the devil doesn't talk to you, you are a unique person. You are, you are very unique. You're, you're, you're one of a very few number of people on the planet that's ever lived without the devil talking to them. Or you are worthless to him. You're no threat. You're no danger. You pose, you pose no concern to him, so he's silent to you because he doesn't have to worry about you because you're not going to harm him in any way. But I'll be the first to testify that the devil talks to me. Does he talk to you? We need to know that when the devil talks to us, he's talking to us because he's trying to convince us of some truth that is not truth. The devil never says anything true. Oh, don't get me wrong. He will say some half-truths, which is a little bit of truth with a little bit of lie, which a half-truth and a lie is what? It's a lie. That's why it's called a half-truth and not a, not a truth. So nothing the devil says to you has any merit in your life. And if the devil starts speaking, you need to just go on alert. This is a lie. Now you know why we did the song. He's a silver-tongued one. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's not just a liar, but he's the father of lies. And he comes to steal, and he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy, and he talks to you, and he talks to me. And the things that he says are evident when we base them or when we compare them to what God says. And so the question is not what does the devil say. The real question is what does God say? Because when we know what God says, we will know when it is the devil who is speaking. Now, there's an interesting thing that happens. And this interesting thing is this. We like to, uh, we like to, to start saying things by, I just feel, or I just believe, or I just think. I like the way E.V. Hill puts it. And he actually made a rule in his church when he went to the church, Mount, the Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles. His first rule was this. You cannot get the floor unless you start with the Bible says. He said, if you come and you, you try to take the microphone and say, I, I just want to share with you what I feel. He's going to say, you know, I don't, I don't mean you no disrespect. I don't mean you no harm. But please take a seat. If you come up and you say, well, you know, the Spirit told me. Well, time out. I don't mean to be rude to you, but put the microphone down and take a seat. you got to start with, what does the Bible say? Where does it say it? Let's look at the passage, and then we can hear what the Spirit has to say. His whole ministry was built not on new revelation from God, but what God has already said. And I agree with him. God's not going to tell you something that He does not confirm in His Word. 
Why? Because he's not a schizophrenic God. He's not a strange God. He's not a confusing God. He's not a liar. If God says one thing to you and another thing to his, through His Word, guess who's wrong? You are. If God says to you, if God says something, excuse me, if I say something and it's not in the Word, guess who's a liar? I am. Now, this is not to take away from what the Spirit says. No, we have to be listening to the Spirit. Obviously, the Word of God tells us that we're to live by the Spirit. We're to be controlled by the Spirit. But if the Spirit says it, it is going to mesh with the Word of God. I like what he says. He says, listen, you cannot run a church by what people feel. That includes the preacher. Because I feel one way today and I might feel another way tomorrow. I might be happy today and not happy tomorrow. Which one of me are you going to follow? Don't follow confusing, Jeff. Follow what the Word of God says. So so his rule is, give me a, give me a, a book. Give me a chapter. Give me a verse. And by the way, you've got to tell it straight. You can't start with a verse and then go off in something that verse doesn't say. Say, you've got to start with a verse and you've got to come from the verse. Now, to be clear, don't be, miscon- don't be confused, don't, re- don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not in any way saying that the Bible answers every single question to the T. No, the Bible doesn't talk about every single topic on the planet. But it does give us principles and guidelines that can never be violated if we say that God said something. Amen? That's what, that's what keeps us straight. That's what keeps us from going, going off on our own. So what God says, we measure by the Word of God, but really, we let the Word of God measure what we say God says. And if it gels, then let's go with it. That's how we test things. And so, in chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. What's the first word there? Then. What is, the then, what is the then there for? <laughs> what, why is the then there? Then refers to what happened in chapter 3. Then was after something happened. And what happened was the glorious baptism of Jesus. Now I want you to picture this. Jesus went to John. John was baptizing in the Jordan. Jesus went to John and said, John, I want you to baptize me. Now, John was baptizing for the remission of sin. It didn't save them, but it was a declaration that they were repentant. And it's the same way with us today. Baptism doesn't save us. We're baptized after we're saved. It's a declaration of the fact that we have turned to Jesus. It's a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And so Jesus didn't need to be saved or didn't need to be baptized. Why? Because he never sinned. He wasn't repenting of anything, yet he said to John, John, I want you to baptize me. John said, I don't need to baptize you. He goes, no, you don't, but I'm going to obey my father. So John said, okay. So in this picture, you have Jesus in the water, and you have John about to baptize him, but then God decides to reveal his glory. You have the Son of God in the water, and then you have the heavens open up, and you have a dove that comes down and lands on his shoulder, and it's the Spirit of God and it's a, it's a confirmation that this is God's Son. But if it, as if it couldn't get better, God makes it better. With one final thing, He speaks, and the people that are there hear these words, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. It's the first time that all three were in the same place on earth and seen and recognized as the triune God. It was glorious. It was beyond belief. And we can't even comprehend with our brains how awesome it must have been. And so you had the declaration from God Himself, This is my beloved Son. Now, 
Jim Jones should have never happened if we would have read chapter 3. Waco should have never happened if we would have read chapter 3. If we read and understood chapter 3, anybody who came before and anybody who comes after, we should know that that's a lie because there was one beloved son and he was Jesus Christ. Jim Jones never had the sky open and a voice say, this is my son. No, he proclaimed himself as the son, but there was no confirmation at all. Y'all remember Jim Jones, right? Don't worry, there'll be another one who comes and says he's the son of God. Don't worry if you're too young and you don't remember all these, all these false, false prophets and fake Jesuses. You'll get yours. You'll get, I promise, because it always happens. But what we know is there is one son, an only begotten son, and Jesus is his name. And so Jesus is in this glorious event. It says, then, after this glorious event, you would expect a limo to come by. Maybe a, maybe a, maybe a, 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 a pimped out camel or something, right? I don't believe I just said that, but yeah. I'm, you know, again, Evie Hill, trying to get in the mood. So, so you have this, this, you would expect that this caravan would come and that he would get in and they would, they would dry him off. And, you know, I mean, you just had God saying, this is my son. You would expect people to go, oh, we got to treat him like royalty. But what happens next is shocking. And it never would have happened to us. We would have gone to the Hilton, Doubletree, certainly not a Motel 6. We'd go, you know, we, we, would, we would get the honor. But what happened? Jesus was led by whom? The Spirit. Where? Into the wilderness. Now, this is the Judean wilderness. It's the Judean desert. They, they, we call it the Mount of Temptation. Now, I've been there, and let me tell you, it is not a, a, an oasis of hope. It is a dry desolate, barren, hard, harsh, hot land. It's a place of nothingness. It's a place that you don't bring a king. It's a place you send somebody to suffer. Yet the Spirit led him into this wilderness. Now remember, he's preparing to enter into ministry, into a full-blown ministry. God brings him into this wilderness. Let me remind you that the devil is not a dummy. He's smart, and he's, he's, got, he's got a certain amount of wisdom and understanding when it comes to you and me. He knows exactly when to strike. He knows how to strike. He knows what to strike. And he doesn't come with a pitchfork and, and horns and says, Hello, I'm the devil, and I'm here to deceive you. No, he comes in smooth and slick and sly, and he, he starts with half-truths, and he begins to try to twist your mind. Let me help you understand today that you are at war every single day, whether you recognize it or not. The war that is going on is for your obedience and for your worship. The war that is going on is between the Lord of all lords and Satan and all of his heavenly host. And it is a battle in the heavenlies, as, as Ephesians 6 tells us. It's a battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's a battle that, frankly, you cannot win. Folks, listen. We try to argue with the devil. We somehow think that because we got a song that says, Run, devil, run, we're going to talk to the devil and we're going to make him leave. I want to just tell you something. You and I need to get this through our heads and through our hearts. We will never beat the devil, ever. Never. I mean, I know I'm strong and buff and an incredible human specimen. That's a joke. 
but it's it, but but it ain't going to happen. You are no threat to the devil. You absolute, he laughs at you, he scoffs you, he mocks at you. That's why he comes over and over and over because he gets us over and over and over because we haven't figured out the secret weapon. But Jesus, being the Jesus that he is, gives us this not so secret weapon. So Jesus is led into the wilderness, this barren desert dry land. Now, now, what's the occasion? What, what's going on with Jesus? Okay, you go to a barren desert of 120 degrees and you spend 40 days and 40 nights there without food and without drink and you tell me what you're like. Your mouth begins to get chalky and like cotton-like. Your head begins to, sw- to, to pound with a migraine because you know what happens when you, you're dehydrated, Right? All of your, as I understand it, the, 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 the veins in, in, in your body start to constrict and that's what gives you this, this pain and it, it's here and it's back of your head. And, and you start having these trembles, right? You ever gone without food? I went food without food for three hours one time. I was miserable. I mean, it was the hardest three hours of my life. Can I get a witness? I mean, it was like every time I drove by Whataburger, Whataburger was calling unto me, come. Come. And I was like, no, I'm fasting for the Lord. Imagine 40 days and 40 nights. This, this dry mouth, this pounding head. By the way, because it's a dry, barren land, the, the rocks are razor sharp. Just a couple of days ago, I climbed a tree and I just brushed up against a limb and it scraped my hand. And it reminded me, wow, I wasn't doing anything. And it just, imagine Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights in this desolate place. He would have been cut. He would have been bruised. He would have been trembling. Because remember, God with us, he was human and fully God. But in his humanness, he had a body and his body was broken and his body was weak. And at just the right time, the devil sneaks in. Hey, I know you're hungry. <laughs> You've got to be hungry. I know you're thirsty. You've got to be thirsty. Hmm. You know, aren't you the Son of God? If you're the Son of God, these, these stones would make some awful good bread. If you're the Son of God, just... Just command these stones in the bread. Jesus responded. But he didn't respond like you and me. No, we, we would have gotten into an argument. We would have gotten into a debate. We would have started having a conversation. Can I tell you that the number one thing you and I need to understand when we, when we have the devil talk to us is do not engage the conversation. Amen? Do not stop, do not think, do not, do not hesitate. Instantly go to your weapon. Because when you stop and when you pause for just a moment, he's got you. He knows he's got you. Now, what did Jesus do? Well, what could he have done? He could have said, devil, be gone. I mean, doesn't Jesus have power? I mean, didn't he speak the world into existence? Couldn't he have have done that? Of course he could have, but he didn't. Why? Because he only wanted to do 
in his goodness, he only wanted to do what you and I can do. And he knew that we could not say to Jesus or to, to Satan, Satan, be gone. Man, you try that one time. Satan, be gone. He's going to laugh. He's going to go, who are you? Go, you, you try that sometime. He's going to be right there. He, he could have taken the suggestion and, and, and said, oh, okay, I, I can do it. He could have proved himself. He could have said, you know what? Of course I can turn them. You want pumpernickel? You want rye, sourdough? What kind do you want? Man, I can, make an, I can make Panera bagels out of this stone if I want to. He didn't do that. Why? Because he didn't take suggestions from the devil. Can I just take a second here and remind you that we should not take suggestions from the devil? But we do every day. Remember, the devil's a liar. And yet we listen to his lies every day, all day long. And he often uses others to lie to us. He uses media. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. He uses other Christians. You're not holy enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. He uses our own conscience. If you were really a Christian. Y'all, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? He, he, he says these things through multiple ways and multiple things. But here's how you know if they're a lie. What does God's Word say? Can I just tell you, that's why you're here today. Because you are wanting to know how to talk to the devil. You may not have ever put it in those words, but today you're learning some of what God's Word says. That's why you have a daily time with God, a quiet time. That's why you open up the Bible and you read His Word and you try to let the Word get into you. That's why we have a live and share verse. And it's amazing to me how God puts just the right verse at just the right time for just the right moment when the devil wants to tempt you. It's almost like God knows how He's going to tempt you and when He's going to tempt you. And He goes, you know what? I'm going to give you what you need before you need it. And then when you need it, I'm going to bring it up to you so you can say it. That's the way our God works. But see, we don't think that way too often. Too often we start to engage Him. We start to take the suggestions. And you take one little sliver of half-truth from the devil and you won't find it's too long before you are far, far away from what truth actually is. And so Jesus could have said, stones turn to bread, but he didn't. He didn't have to prove himself to the devil. The devil has no authority in your life except for what you give him. Amen? He has no power in your life except what you give him. He's not scary unless you let him be scary. You want to know what? You want to know how you get the un, you know how you want to know how the devil is no longer scary? You turn on the light. He's like he's that he's that thing in the in 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 the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. And don't get me wrong, he's not weak. He does have power. He just doesn't have power over what you've got. And your power is not in your words, it's not in your wisdom, it's not in your education, it's not in your position. Your power is the same power that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 4. He could have said, get thee behind me. And the devil would have done it, but he didn't say that. My favorite. The devil could have, or, or Jesus could have said, devil, look at my glory. 
I mean, think about it. He just came out of the water with, the, with God's voice saying, this is my son. All he had to do was flash him a little bit. Right? That, that sounded weird, but you know what I mean. All he had to do was just, just a little bit of his glory, and the devil would have run. Why didn't he do it? Why didn't he show off his glory? Because you and I would think that we could do the same thing. We'd go, hey, devil, and he would laugh. You don't have any glory. What kind of glory you got? What kind of glory you have? How's that going to scare the devil? I scare myself, but I can't scare the devil. I <laughs> don't even. <laughs> so, so he he could have just told him go away. He could have he he, he could have uh, just made the stones. He could have shown him the glory, but he didn't. What did he do? He said, "Devil, it is written." Say that with me. It is written. Don't need no conversation before. You don't need no conversation after. All you need when the devil talks to you is this. Devil, it is written. When he comes before you and says, you're not really loved. Devil, it is written. For no height, nor depth, nor principalities, nor powers, nor anything in all creation will separate me from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. When the devil comes and says, you're condemned. You say, devil, it is written. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When the devil says, oh, you're too small. Devil, it is written. Man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. When the devil says, you should be afraid. Devil, it is written. Do not fear, for I am with you. See, our problem is not that the word is not powerful. Our problem is that we don't put the word between the devil and us. How do you stand on God's promises if you don't know what they are? So the devil heard these words three different times. In fact, the next one, he turns it around. He goes, okay, I got you. By the way, if you expect that you're going to tell, tell the devil one time, it is written, and he's going to leave and never come back, you're crazy. <laughs> now, I wish that would have been the case. I, I, I wish that one time is all we need to do, and, and, and we set it and forget it, but that's not it. The devil is, is, is a leech. And he, he flees at the sound of the Word of God, but he never goes far. No, he hangs out and he waits for your weak moment. And then he slithers his way back in. But here's the deal with the Word of God. It's always sharp and it's always ready to strike. Evie Hill tells the story of when his first wife, he, he, uh, his first wife died of cancer, but when she was in the hospital close to her death, the devil came into the room and started talking to him. He said, Evie, aren't you a healer? He goes, no, no, I'm not. He goes, I, I, think, I think that there was a woman in your ministry not too long ago that had, had cancer, much like your wife's got. And, and she came and asked you to pray, so you laid your hands on her and you prayed, and the doctors then said she's totally healed. Well, why don't you do that to your wife? Why don't you pray for it if you're a healer? If 
your God is powerful. If your God is faithful, he'll do today what he did then. So Evie said he wrestled with it and he did pray his hand, lay his hands on his wife and his wife died. She wasn't healed and he struggled with it and he wrestled with it. He came to God and he said, God, I don't understand. Why did she die? Why did she die? She was young. Why did she die? He said, the Lord spoke very clear to him and said, she didn't die. I'd simply called her home. What's wrong with going home? Yeah, but she was so young. What's wrong with going home early? What's wrong with no more sickness early? What's, what's wrong with no more blurred vision early? What's wrong with no more pain early? She was young, yeah. But I just called her early. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with leaving a broken, sinful, destroyed world to come into my presence where there's a new body, where there's hope and where there's joy early? What's wrong with that? And Evie Hill said, you know, <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. See, the devil wanted to tell him that he wasn't powerful enough he simply needed to say, it is written that the Lord calls the righteous home. Let me tell you, folks, there's a verse for everything. A couple of cautions. Number one, don't say it is written if it's not written. It, devil, it is written. The Lord helps those who help themselves. He goes, no, it ain't written. I've been around long enough. It ain't in the book. And don't go misquoting Scripture. Devil, it is written. The devil goes, man, I know, I know enough to know that's not what he said. It's not what he meant. When you say Scripture in the way that God intends it for, to, to be, if it's the truth of God's Scripture appropriately spoken, the devil must run. Run, devil, run. My question to you is this. It's really very simple. How are you doing in your fight? How are you doing in, in your wrestling against flesh and blood? Don't give the devil the time of day. Simply turn to him and say, Devil, it is written. You can even say it like that if you want to. I think I may. But don't rejoice because the devil obeys. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Because remember, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's not about having authority over him. It's about being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. One of the, I, I, I can't stand it anymore. I'm going to have to tell you something that, 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 I, that, I, that I heard this week in one of the messages I think I'm going to do coming up. It was by Leonard Ravenhill, and here's what he said. He said, you know, we sing this song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. When I survey the wondrous cross, right? You, you familiar with that song? He said, we, we pass over that so quickly. But to survey means that you're paying attention to every single detail. It's not just a passing glance. To survey means you've got somebody here and you've got somebody over there and you've you got this little telescope thingamajiggy and you're, you're getting exact, precise measurements. Folks, we need to survey the wondrous cross. 
And we need to survey the Word of God. Because the more we know and the better we know it, the more power we have when the enemy comes to us and says, if you are, all we got to do is say, stop, devil, it is written. There is no place that you need to be afraid of going. There is no conversation you need to be afraid of having. There is no sickness that you need to be afraid will take you. Here's the deal. He'll either take you early or he'll take you late. But to his, his mind and heart, he'll take you right on time. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we're not human and we don't wrestle with these things. I'm just saying don't let the wrestling overtake you. Recognize who you are because of who God is. And God's people said... I just want to share with you, God is doing something so good here. There, there is a... Uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. I know for a fact that there's a handful of people in this room who are finding freedom and who are, who are, who are finding life that they've always wanted. If, if, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to call you out. But if you, if that's you, would you stand up? Right. A difference. No, stay, stay standing. So, Biddy. Yes, sir. Two seconds. What's going on with you? God's drawing me. What are you finding freedom from? Everything. The biggest thing is food. I've lost 57 pounds. Yay, guys. 57 pounds. I'm looking at you and I'm going, you've changed. Not just physically, but you've changed. There's there's something inside that's different. There's a joy. Do you know how depressed you used to be? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like I need to tell you. You know, you've been here like every Sunday. Because when you get up, there's a different thinking. Kelly, what about you? I've been in chain for 40 years and God is breaking chains, setting me free. Yeah. Things that were out of my control, that were done in my life, God has just taken me out of, taken me on that journey for the last 40 years. And it's, it's been an easy road, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Huge change. Yeah. Two seconds. Bring a prodigal home. If I remember correctly, you never wanted to be in church again. But you're here. I mean, I was out of it. Yes, they do. <laughs> but God is good. As a matter of fact, this morning, I, I uh, had an argument with my father. And he was the one that I had to And this morning, I took the brother to get I'm glad. Hey, it's almost like today was made for you. How about you? What are you free from? Yeah. Amen. 
Amen. Hey, you, you fought all your life. And God is freeing you. Hey, amen. What's you? Freedom from myself. Freedom from yourself. <laughs> well, they might have known that I was going to do this. <laughs> All right, let's go back here for a second. Go ahead. Hey, God is good. God is good. Are you different today? <laughs> Would you like to go back? <laughs> go ahead. I, you know, I grew up in church. I was in church in utero. And, and so you, you grow up thinking things in a certain way, and you believe things in a certain way, because that's the way you're always taught. And then when when the Lord like opens up your mind and opens up your eyes and enlightens you through his word, and now when you, when you read and you read the scripture and you say, I've read the Bible through many, many times. How did I never see that before? Amen. And, and he's just... Amen. Amen. How about you? Amen. Change ministry, doesn't it? More fun? <laughs> A little harder, though, isn't it? <laughs> How about you? Amen. Amen. What about you? You know what's amazing is nobody looking at you would have ever figured that. We're good at hiding that, aren't we? But you know what? The courage to, to address it and to deal with it. How many of y'all by any chance have dealt with or deal with shame and guilt? Let me see your hands. You see this? What you're doing right now is giving courage for the rest of us to take the same step. Thank you. Mike? Freedom from self. Many times I attempt to deal with situations by myself, with myself. And the Lord is teaching me to be more dependent on Him and Him only. Been a path where struggles come across and I can't forget to go him first and if you teach you and acknowledge hey listen dude <laughs> it's me I, I've seen a, I've seen you come alive in a new way and I, and I know some of your you know your struggles with with work and stuff like that and so just even in the midst of that even in the valley God is Shannon Wall said something a few weeks ago or last week yeah so, Santa Walt Tillman, she said this, Do you know how many psalms David wrote in the valley? Most of his, or many of his psalms came out of the cave. That's what God is doing in you. How about you, Jennifer? Um, for the past five years, I've been having daily battles with the devil. And it wasn't Freedom from depression, from anger, and uh, 
Hmm. You know, I, if you follow Jennifer on Facebook, you'll notice that she's been thankful constantly. She has a lot to be unthankful for. No surprise, right? no secret, right? But she's choosing to be thankful and God has changed her heart. Anybody else? This is a real scary thing for a preacher, I've got to tell you. I know, I, know, I, know, I know there's more. Some people just don't like to talk. That's cool. Here's what I want you to know. Yes, did I miss? Oh, yes. Amen. Kevin? <laughs> like Mr. Deeds or the, the, the guy. It's just right there, right? Let's pray together. Church, take a moment and just thank God that He's at work amongst you and amongst his people. Listen, we we know that it's that it's a fight. We know that that we're we're rejoicing today, but tomorrow there might be sorrow. But our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And our God is faithful. And he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it because our God is God. Lord Jesus, we come to you now with grateful hearts. Father, for those who stood, I pray that you would hold them, strengthen them, and open their eyes that that the next thing the enemy wants to do is to tear all of it down. Lord, this is a high moment, but God, I pray that you would remind them that it's by grace alone that we've been saved. Lord, we trust you with our eternity, and we trust you with our today. Lord, in this place, you you are doing something so good. Father, we pray that you would that you would refine us like a refiner's fire. God, take away that which doesn't look like you and put into us that which does. We ask this in Jesus' name. Will you stand, church, and let's worship.